welcome to another edition of Look Who's Talking, fun and lively conversation all about the life of Christchurch, New Malden. I'm Anna Larkin, and here on the show this month, I have regulars Stephen Kurt. Hello. And Nathan Larkin. Hello. Plus our special guest for this month, Rebecca Kurt. Hello. In this edition of the show, we'll be focusing on teenagers. We'll be talking all about Engage, which is our group for older teenagers that meets on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, we'll be talking more generally about teenagers within Christchurch and particularly the opportunities for service that exist for them. And then after an update on progress with the building project and a look at the April preaching programme, we'll return to the subject of teenagers with a more general discussion of the particular issues and challenges that they face within today's culture and how the church can be there to help them. But let's start with Engage, which is okay. our group that meets on Sunday afternoon. It was Sunday evenings, really, yeah. for older teenagers. Uh, so this is the group that comes after. The, the oldest morning Sunday school group is Encounter, yeah. which is basically school years seven to nine. Yep. And then once they reach year 10 upwards, there's no upper age limit, really, for Engage at the moment. The oldest are 18. Yeah. Um, I guess then it's, 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 in it's the usually been instead. 18, but we've, uh, yeah. We've occasionally had one or two who who wanted to keep coming, and yeah, we're trying to be flexible. And engage meets from five thirty. Yeah, five thirty. Five thirty through to six thirty. And then we, uh, well, most of us come across to uh, the six thirty service after. Some don't, but the the idea is that we, um, when we finish, go across together. And we've got seats reserved. I think David puts out little uh, kind of engage place yeah. mats. And how long has it been engage? To be honest, I think it's the group that's had more names. More names than, than any the other, other yeah. When before I, that, it was TLC, and then before that, it was Splat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I think the, when I arrived, it was Splat. Camilla Pierce did it. And that was Camilla and Paul ran it then, and I wasn't involved. And then it was TLC, and that was Sally Butler and Mark and Joe, um, who Hayden. were running it then. Yep. Yeah, the humans were running it. And then I took it over, and we, we I think we kept TLC for a little while, but... Um, in fact, I think it was Sally who actually begged me to change the name. She never mm. liked it. And, and she was <laughs> like, do please change it. I don't want that to be my legacy. So, um, so yeah, we, we changed it Engage. TLC about. was meant to be um, Teenagers Loving Church, wasn't it? Yes, I think uh, I was never quite sure whether that was an ironic name. Yeah. or. Um, <laughs> and I think uh, Splat was meant to stand for something as well, but I'm not sure what. I think it was even more tenuous than Teenagers <laughs> Loving Church. Yeah. But yeah. So what goes on there then? Well, yeah, do, do, we've got a member here. Does, does Rebecca maybe want to... Um, um, yeah, so we'll normally come at about, yeah, 5.30, but I'm always a bit late. <laughs> yeah, we'll normally, <laughs> let, let me be honest, it's, it's usually about quarter two by the time we get started <laughs> at all. But. And then we'll start off and we'll play a game, and like Nathan's like the expert with having loads of games, like he has so many. Um, so we'll play something like double... Well, there's a moose loose in the house, something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we'll normally go through a passage in the Bible, or we might uh, talk about a topic such as prayer and discuss it over a couple of weeks. Um, but it's really good because we can listen to what others are saying and meet other Christians. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. that's that's um, that's basically what a what a yep. standard week looks like. And so, Nathan, yeah. is that is that format similar to groups that you went to at church at that age, or is it different? I mean, there, there's definitely similarities. I think, you, you know, youth work, as long as it's been, I don't know, when did, when did it become a thing in church youth work? I guess the kind of 70s, 80s. Interesting question, um, actually, yeah. Uh, perhaps a bit earlier than that, 50s and 60s. Oh, really? Yeah, I, th I, I think churches having youth groups probably... Probably in the 50s, I guess, 60s, okay. I don't know, actually. So, yeah, longer yeah. back than, I, than yeah. I thought. But um, 
And I guess they've always included some games and uh, some kind of Bible... Uh, I, I don't know how... I guess that's where the difference comes because what we would have, I would always refer to as a discussion. Um, and it was probably a lot less of a discussion when I was in youth groups when I was younger. In fact, I think one of the big differences was, you know, with the groups I was part of as a kid, there was two categories of young people that were there and two categories that were being uh, spoken to. There was those who were in and kind of one of us and uh, maybe they were the kids of people who'd grown up in church, maybe people who'd been calling themselves Christians for years and they were kind of spoken to on one level. And then there was those who were not in yet and the, the, mm. the aim was to, to get them in. And those two categories were quite, although no one would have explicitly referred to it as that, it was quite obvious that that was what was going on. And yeah. the level at which the, the youth work was being done was trying to get a group of people from one place to, to being another. Yeah. Um, I th and I hope the youth groups we run tries to kind of, in the same approach we have in church, talking about you know meeting people where they are but not leaving them there, I think we try to deal with much more of a grey um, mm. in terms of where people are, not so black and white, not so in and out. I think people are, the young people we encounter are all on very different journeys in, in faith and at different stages in their in their faith. And mm. so, yeah, I hope It feels like quite a big emphasis on community as well, that community, yeah. rather than being um, uh, in any way secondary, it, 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 it does appear uh, that in groups like Engage and other youth groups, that community is near the heart of the aim of it, rather yeah, than and just and a Yeah, and as Becca said, the idea with that is that we learn from each other. It's not just me or Anna as the kind of leaders coming mm. and putting 100% of the input in and then the young people taking 100% out. The idea is much more, yes, we will bring input and um, yes, we will have prepared you know, information in, in the, and a study and things like that, but the idea is that we learn from each other. And, so what uh, happens in a typical discussion then? Do they all sort of chip in or um, are some quieter well, than others? Or? Nathan will normally like ask uh, one of us um, if we look like we're looking a bit blankly <laughs> or something. He'll normally say, oh, Rebecca, what do you think about this? Or Ellie, what do you think about this? And um, yeah, we'll give our opinion. And mm. Yeah, I, I rarely get a... Uh, you know, usually people will, will have it's some quite, thought It's on quite that. a small group generally, so there's nowhere for people to hide. Everybody's got <laughs> right. to contribute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, uh, and we don't always get the kind of... It in fact, it took quite a long time for people to realize that I wasn't looking for a cookie-cutter answer. There yeah. wasn't a right or wrong answer necessarily, that, that, that I was genuinely interested in what they thought about any given subject. And um, and I think that's what's been good after years of meeting together and the kind of community thing is that we do trust each other to take a chance on an answer or mm. to say what you actually think about a thing and not worry you're going to be um, put into the category of you're not really one of us or yeah. you don't believe the right thing. So, yeah. Um, and then... You know, from the kind of input side, I, what I try to usually say is, you know, here, let's read a passage from the Bible or here, let's um, take a topic. I'll say within the, the scope of Christianity, you've got a, a range of beliefs on this, on, on most subjects at least, and I'll present them. Uh, I'll usually say this is perhaps roughly where Christchurch is on that subject. This is where I probably am on this subject and and then where do you think you guys are? And so it's less of a, I've got it all figured out and I'm going to lay it out and you accept it and take mm. it and more of a let's engage, which is, I guess, where the, the name comes <laughs> from. And, and, and does having the sort of purpose-made uh, youth room, uh, you know, particularly since the new carpets came in, does that, <laughs> does that add to engage, do you think? I mean, I know other groups take place there as well, don't mm. they? But having, having a, 
you know, my, my youth group never had a room really like that. You know, we were using a room that was used by other parts of the church as yeah, well. Right. But, but how, yeah. you know, that seems... What do you think, Becca, yeah. about having your own room? Well, it's very homely, and I actually remember with my friends painting it. And, um, for example, one of my friends painting over the fire sign. Yes. <laughs> um, I had to go around with white spirits after and, like, take all the, like, <laughs> safety but, signs back to the... But, yeah, there's always, always food as well, so... That's always it's good. really homely. <laughs> yeah, how important is food in youth work these days? Could you do youth work without food? No, nobody would come. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one of my one of the things I, I love about Engage is it's um, very rarely that it's Anna and I supplying the food. In fact, they they often come and, and bring food with yeah, them. Yeah, generally which is it's Hannah. Hannah yeah. pops yeah. in the shop. I was going to say because my two don't at all. They always go empty. <laughs> I'm do you mean they're just eating other people out of the house? <laughs> no, Hannah. Hannah, um, would Hannah Matthews, go, right? Yeah, yeah. Hannah Matthews. She'll. We, we think she's about to come in, and then we realise no, she's actually heading up to Tesco to, to stock up, and then she comes down. So what sort of stuff food. does Hannah Matthews bring them? Popcorn, crisps, yeah. always fair, always fair stuff. trade chocolate. Yeah, And Ellie brought along, I think, her. Uh, parents were having some kind of party the night before. Oh, yeah, she brought, she brought a whole, around yeah, a whole selection. Of I'm feeling very insecure as a parent now. So I send Rebecca and James out week after week with nothing. Yeah, but you owe us some food, basically. Absolutely <laughs> right. Okay, Rebecca, you better, uh, you and James better take some food next time. <laughs> No, it's good. Well, we've talked a bit about um, the uh, the community of Engage, um, and um, and I guess being a teenager is you know you're in a unique position where you're kind of on the cusp of breaking into lots of other communities so you already come to the 6:30 service every week um but you are also involved in service aren't you Rebecca so what kind of what sorts of things have you done to volunteer around church and what communities have you joined through your uh through your service um well occasionally um when Rachel hasn't been able to um uh lead Tiddlywinks um I've uh, taking her place and led it, and um, that's like group for two-year-olds, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and I really like the opportunity because I've always loved children ever since I was little, and um, it gives me the opportunity to be quite creative. And I love doing art, um, and I get a lot out of it. And I hope they get a lot out of it too. I've heard you're very good. Yep. And um, and you've done other things as well. You were involved in the night shelter, I think, this year. Yeah, I've helped out at the night shelter a couple of times, which I found really rewarding and um, very educational um, because lots of people make assumptions about homeless people um, when they really shouldn't because they can sometimes come from really difficult backgrounds and you don't know what could have left them in that circumstance. Mm. Yeah, chatting yeah. with people at the night shelter seems to be one of the things that didn't seem to, to worry you particularly you know was that was that something you enjoyed or did you have to work hard at it or not at all because a lot of those people who are homeless at the shelter you know they're very they've had some of them have had to take got degrees themselves and um yeah it's just really interesting to talk to them like one of them had played with the Beatles or something (laughs) I know everyone's got a different story it's never quite uh, as simple as you'd think Mm. and then you've also been involved in the band at 6.30 haven't you as well for quite a while now Um, singing yeah so um, all of these different things that you've done helping with children's work volunteering at the night shelter and then being involved in the band and in worship um, has doing these things helped to strengthen your own Christian faith at all Um, yes it definitely has because um, it's given me the opportunity to um, teach others in tiddlywinks and um, in worship um, to you know be up front leading 
so yeah, I definitely say it has. <laughs> Brilliant, that's great. Um, so Nathan, if I come to you now, is is serving at church part of your program for the teenagers here? Like, is that something that you hope that they will all go on to do? Because Encounter does the refreshments at, after yeah. the nine thirty service and on the fifth Sunday. It was of the something month. we kind of deliberately tried to to build in there, you know, because I think we really want the young people to get that church isn't just a place for them to be served, which up until that point, you know, they're, they are quite young and, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps they feel like they can't, but we absolutely want to be able to be a kind of monthly thing or not quite as often as that with the, with the tea and coffee, but um, that they know that they are also to serve, that church is a thing that we're, is a place where we serve and are served. And so, yeah, the, the tea and coffee is a, is a really great chance for them to not only, um, appreciate that other people do that every week and you know the things that you see all the time can easily um kind of blur into the background but but for them to realize that actually there's some hard work goes into it and for other people to see the young people serving it's not just um what the young people learn from it i think people are challenged by it as well and quite a number of them do serve in other ways don't they i mean hannah matthews who we were talking about earlier helps with scramblers yeah as does uh james kurt um james plays in the band as well yeah he plays in the band and um so yeah, we've had in the past Laura Cook before she went yeah, off to uni was yeah. helping at uh, I think that was Scramblers as yeah. well possibly yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah no uh, I think it might have been Tiddlywinks was it Tiddlywinks yeah I think yeah. it was yeah so yeah I think there's always been um, an idea that when they move from encounter which is on a sunday morning to yeah. engage which is on a sunday evening which is a difficult transition sometimes because yeah. their families are all at the yeah. nine thirty service well for, for a lot of people that's the case and and it's been the ch- time where it's challenging to, to get them to make that transition and yeah. to keep coming but for most of them their families do continue to come at nine thirty, and so they have the option of either staying in um during the nine thirty service which i i think uh by that age they're perfectly capable of really engaging with and enjoying but also a lot of them choose to serve yeah and, and that uh, can yeah. be the time when you really kick on as a christian the first time that you actually have to do something mm. out of your comfort yeah. zone even if it's not particularly far out of your comfort zone i mean when i um when that happened to me and i went into our youth group which met at the church i grew up in after the sunday evening service i was asked to become one of the leaders of pathfinders which was a, an encounter type yeah. group and I did that for a couple of years. And, and I think looking back, it was really quite important. I think it was, I'm really grateful uh, that I was asked uh, to do that, really. It was, it was an important part, I think, in me sort of um, owning my faith for myself, actually, having to yeah. take on some sort of leadership. Yeah, mm. I, I think, you know, I think we've talked about it before on here and perhaps about uh, when we talked about joining a new church. And, um, but I think getting your hands dirty, getting involved, serving yeah. is how you, one, kind of find your place in a community yeah. easier than, than uh, there's perhaps other ways to do it, but, mm. uh, but I think it's the number one way to, to do it, and also growing as a Christian, yeah. you know. Um, and junior leaders can um, have a really important role, can't they, in a group? I mean, it's absolutely. interesting seeing the the younger leaders in a group like Scramblers, the children particularly identify with mm. um, very strongly. And, um, you know, that kind of role model is... Yeah. Yeah. You see the same at the night shelter as well, actually, where the guests are really delighted that there are a spread of ages there. You know, we had people all the way from mid-70s mm. uh, down to sort of late teenage at the shelter, and people really appreciated that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of the things that also encourages the younger ones to, to keep coming is seeing that it's not a church isn't a thing you need to drop out of at 14, you know, because, mm. hey, well, that's what everyone does. Actually, yeah. when they see older kids, I, I remember as a, well, I had older siblings, so I um, 
kind of knew their friends a little bit more but it, it, there was something aspirational about the older groups i couldn't wait to get into yeah. them i was excited about it because hey that's where i seen that person and they, i know they go there and mm. so yeah for the for the younger kids to to see some of the older teenagers um serving and and around the place at church is i think uh, only a positive thing really mm. in the church i grew up in it was the kind of the policy that when you outgrew the Sunday morning Sunday school groups you would go back and help in one of the younger groups and um, when the group that I went back to help in would have been the equivalent of Tiddlywinks it was Mm. the same age group the really little ones and um, when I can remember when I started helping there one of the leaders had been the leader when I was in that group myself Um, And then um, one of the teenagers who had helped at the time, you know, when I was a toddler, she'd gone on to have children of her own and her toddlers were in the group for me to go back as a leader. Yeah. And then actually years later, when I moved here, um, those her children, the toddlers that I'd had in Sunday school started coming to youth club here. (laughs) So uh, that made me feel a bit old. (laughs) Um, But anyway, enough on the teenager theme for now. Um, Let's have an update on the building work. So, Stephen, it seems to be going up really fast now. They're finally on the walls. They uh, are, so yeah. So it looks bigger and bigger every day. Well, it is. Uh, the vicarage is um, pretty much the outside structure is done. We're still waiting for the, the right slate to come to finish off the roof. Um, and with the vicarage, it's working on, on, on the sort of inside now, putting in windows, stuff like that. Uh, the hall um, is actually, yeah, really exciting stage of development because all the foundation work has been done, and that's really quite slow. Um, you know, you don't see much seemingly happening for quite a while. And then once the once the floor goes in and the walls start going up really quickly and you see change every day. And Start to see um, the shape as well. You can walk yeah, around the rooms. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fortunate enough to be actually in there today. And, yep. um, and I could walk through and, and see this is the office and this is the downstairs toilet. And yep. We have to wear our hard hats, don't we, and our high-vis yeah. high jackets since Claire joined the team. Did you have to wear those safety boots? I find uh, them very hard to walk yeah, in. They're about well, a size 13. Yeah, they've got steel sort <laughs> yeah. of um, toe caps, haven't they, in case something falls on your and foot. And about three kilograms of mud on yeah. each one. No, we, did, we didn't, we <laughs> didn't wear them. I think we should have done. No, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, but it was, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's going up really, really well. And, um, I mean, you looked at it the other day, didn't you, Rebecca? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Have you picked out your bedroom? Uh, yes, I've got the smallest one. <laughs> yeah, but you better explain why you've agreed to this deal for the smallest bedroom, Rebecca. Um, because they're turning the loft upstairs into an art studio for me. Oh, <laughs> great. It's a small bedroom, whole loft upstairs. Well, because, cool. because the architect wants the design of the vicarage to match in with the church, that means it's quite a sloping roof. Mm. Uh, it's quite a tall roof on the vicarage. And that means there's a lot of space underneath in in the loft, which, if it's boarded over, will be quite a large area. And uh, so uh, Rebecca, rather than sort of sitting at the kitchen table to do her painting, could disappear up to a loft. (laughs) So now you can get your oil paint on the ceiling instead of over the curtain. Yeah, I'm just worried it will come dripping through, (laughs) you know, like Tess of the Durbervilles, but it will be red paint rather than blood or whatever, you know, will come dripping through the the ceiling. Yeah, that'll be freaky in a vicarage. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's brilliant. And um, Andrew and uh, Claire and all the workers who mainly seem to be Polish doing a doing a great job. Mm. Mm. It's going up really fast. So Nathan, <coughs> when you went around today, what did you think? Um, so you you walked around what will be the downstairs of the new church yeah, hall. Yeah, and uh, I mean it's it's an interesting one because at different stages you get different perspectives on it. And so when they first started putting the floors in, I was thinking. 
this isn't as big as I thought it was going to be, you know, dear. And and then now that they've started to put the walls in, I was in and I thought, this is huge. <laughs> it's yeah. And uh, Everyone who sees it, who's got any building experience, says, wow, this is large. Yeah. And mm. then apparently um, once, you know, uh, um, the architect Roger was saying today, this is actually one of the stages when it looks smallest. Once you get the flooring in and the render on the walls, um, it all looks even bigger. So Yeah. yeah. Well, we've got this big um, hall downstairs, which is going to be used for football, for urban nights and for the youth club, isn't it? And It is indeed. Um, plenty of other um, uses as well. And then, and then rooms upstairs for climbers, for scramblers and the youth room. Yeah. So... Um, I know yeah. a, a new youth room, the, the pressure's on to get it yeah, well yep. any better than we currently yep. have. Yep. So, <laughs> no, it, I think the, the young people are really excited about it. and um, especially Might not let them paint this one, though. <laughs> no, no, I think we may. Uh, yeah, although they can be part, possibly, of choosing the colours, can't they? Which oh, yeah, I think, yeah. I think that'd be quite yeah. good. Just to, as long uh, as they don't get near a paintbrush, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we had a uh, purple paint rolled onto the ceiling last time which it, I think th I, if I remember correctly there were about 11 or 12 when we did it uh, maybe 13 <laughs> the majority of them and uh, I think they spent a day painting and all had a ball and it was great and I think I spent the next week fixing it yeah. <laughs> and then yep. they arrived back in the next weekend and we're like we done such a good job <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> And right, well, if we move on now to talk about the preaching program for April, so you should all have a copy of it. Um, but obviously, we've we've got the very end of of March is Easter Day, the final Sunday in March, Easter Day, and then in April we've got kind of Easter themed um, sermon series in our two morning services. So at 9.30, we're going to be looking at things that happen when a church lives by the resurrection. Uh, so we've got people coming to faith, radical community and healing um, we're going to be looking at. And then at 11 o'clock, uh, the series is What Will Happen in the Resurrection 2? We've got our bodies, um, creation and those with disabilities. Um, so Stephen, tell us a bit about your thinking behind those topics. Well, it's partly because... Um quite often Lent is uh, really taken quite seriously in churches and a lot of emphasis on sort of giving up things and preparing for Easter. Sometimes then what happens at the end of it is a one-day celebration and Easter's meant to be much bigger than that. Easter is meant to be a sort of celebration that continues. Is it meant to be 40 days like Lent? Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, I think 50 days actually. Yeah, it's right. meant through to, to uh, yeah. Ascension, is yeah. it? Um, yeah, um, right through to Pentecost, Pentecost yeah, basically. Right. So 50 days. And um, we're meant to reflect on the resurrection and, uh, and its importance. And quite often that doesn't happen. In fact, resurrection overall is a theme that often isn't particularly dwelt upon yeah. um, or particularly unpacked. And so what I wanted to do in the 9.30 series was look at the early chapters of the Acts of the Apostles and the way in which Jesus' resurrection sort of changes everything for the early Christians. And, um, you know, you've got people coming to faith. You've got a very radical uh, sense of community and these amazing healings happening and then at 11 o'clock a rather different but related series on um, well what is the nuts and bolts of the resurrection what what is the resurrection that we're looking forward to what what are the implications of that for our bodies mm. um, for creation itself which is often very neglected yeah uh, that theme but the most tricky one really is this one I know, I was gonna for say, people with disabilities. disabilities yeah that's a tricky well one. basically to explain on that the the view used to be, and maybe this still is correct, that in the resurrection, when God brings the new creation, uh, that everyone will be completely healed and completely restored. Um, and 
very often it's been assumed that that, of course, includes people with disabilities of whatever mm. kind. People who are blind will be able to see. People who are what might be described in the Bible as lame will be able to walk, etc. But actually, it's a more open question than that, because quite often uh, today, you've got disabled groups saying, actually, this is part of my identity, yeah. and I don't want it seen as uh, a, a negative weakness. thing to be overcome. Yeah, negative yeah. to be overcome. And it's an open question. I, When I wrote a book a few years ago uh, called Tom Wright for Everyone, I did in just uh, one paragraph touch on this a little bit. Mm. And I hedged my bets, really, because I didn't want to, uh, well, I didn't want to claim that I completely sort of had an answer to this, but also, it, you know, it's got a lot of potential to be patronising or to uh, to be hurtful. I think um, that's the difficulty, isn't it? Because I, I think I can think of examples of people in my life who have different forms of, I guess, what could be called disability and have completely different attitudes towards it. Yeah. Um, and perhaps one of the differences is whether you were born with it and therefore it's always been a part of you and maybe such a broad spectrum of different disabilities exactly, aren't there? You know, some that kind of affect people's intrinsic being and yeah, who they are and their yeah. identity and others that i i suspect people would just say that you know their disability completely holds them back that's yeah. all it does is it inhibits yeah. them yeah, it doesn't different people have different attitudes yeah. towards it absolutely mm. well i hope i mean anita, anita ferrero has been yeah, given, yeah, the, uh, given, given the task of doing that yeah i gave her plenty of warning on it um but it'll be interesting to see uh what she comes up with and we've got a lot of people with uh, with disabilities at christchurch some of which are more obvious than others yeah and so hopefully um it will be something helpful through, mm. through discussing it. Yeah, I think the first time I ever came across the, even the question of it, really, because yeah. I'd, I'd grown up with a very set attitude of, of course, people who have disabilities will be, um, for want of a better word, I think I would have said perfect in heaven. Yeah. And, uh, but um, I can remember when I was studying, I, I came across this, this guy, quite a famous writer, really, called Henri Nguyen. And, yep. and uh, this was a guy who basically was in line to become Pope. He was very highly thought of in the Catholic Church, real theologian and, um, and yeah, highly respected. And he gave up uh, that to go and to live in a community called L'Arche, which is with people mm. um, with Down syndrome. And he spent the rest of his life um, living and serving there, which sadly a lot of people in, in the church felt was a waste of his oh, talent. Wow. Yeah. And yet he, he wrote about how this was, you know, the greatest thing he did with his life. And um, But he, he strongly argued that he felt it would uh, be wrong to say that uh, someone with Down syndrome would therefore be... Um, healed in heaven mm. or, or different in heaven and um yeah it was just a it's, it's tricky what, ever what, came up what, with that what we do with jesus's healings yeah is that then become quite tricky doesn't it you mm. know what what are they actually pointing us to yeah then um and i th i think uh, you know it's it's i mean one of the one of the reviews of uh the book that i wrote when i just touched on it did get very angry at this question and the person was very angry at any suggestion I made that people wouldn't be totally And I am, it, it is a sensitive subject that I imagine yeah. it would be quite um, mm. yeah. tricky to avoid. Uh, so, you know, 
tune in to what Anita <laughs> says. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then in the in the evening at the six thirty service, we will have a series on seeing God in um, literature. That's David Taylor, um, mm. history with Stephen Kurt, science Elizabeth Hill. And then film with uh, with Nathan. Um, so those will be. So Elizabeth's really been convinced well. to make a comeback. She had, well, she did such a good job of why I'm a Christian, that I popped the question uh, in a vulnerable moment whether she'd talk on science. And of course, she has a PhD in chemistry. Not everyone uh, listening to this will necessarily <laughs> know that Elizabeth Hill, our administrator, is uh, like her husband and her eldest daughter, a PhD in chemistry, um, and really fascinated by um, the whole questions of science and Christianity. Um, so that will be that will be exciting. And David Taylor, having done that excellent sermon on the theology of Jane Eyre, yeah, um, is going to talk more broadly. Which he's taken on tour. Yeah, to, uh, he has. Various yeah, other venues. Yeah. 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 Um, well, we're going to move on now to talk about the the issues and challenges of being a teenager today. Um, so obviously, Stephen will have no recollection of, nope, of this at can't all. Remember it. <laughs> but um, Rebecca, if I come to you first, so what would you say uh, that the the pressures on teenagers are at the moment and and is there anything that the church can do to help um well there's a lot of pressure on teenagers um generally because it can be sometimes quite self-conscious stage because you're trying to figure out who you are and um which can be quite difficult and um you can feel like you know are you in the cool gang and yeah, but it can also be particularly hard for Christians uh, as teenagers because a lot of what Christians believe go against, you know, what society and culture tells us about, you know, mm. what teenagers should be engaging in and what they should be like. Um, yeah. Like about how they should... Relationships is a big one. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Quite a lot of pressure to be successful, it appears to me as well, and whatever that might mean, you know, that um, quite a lot of, I think... Um, pressure upon teenagers to um, sort of be performing in, in whatever area of life, you yeah. know, to sort of oh be, yeah, be successful. I don't think I've ever been more stressed than I was when I was doing my A-levels. Yeah. Mm. University was much easier mm. by comparison, mm. I thought. Yeah, I think the age you take the A-levels are the most difficult exams you mm. ever take. Yeah. And you're also having to think about what you want to do, you're having to make big decisions, you know, about whether you want to go to uni, mm. whether you want to do an apprenticeship, and you've, you've got all this going on at the same time, as well as trying to balance friendships. Yeah, and it yeah. seems um, to me those questions get, get uh, kind of posed earlier and earlier and earlier. Yeah. Um, mm. I, I, uh, I have one young person who's completely kind of getting twisted and turned with regards to which GCSE she's going to pick. And, you know, they don't have many choices at that no, stage. No, they don't. Not as many you know, as they used to have it's, when I did. It's really, you know, it's, they all do maths, English, some form of science, one language, and, and then, you know, maybe an art or a history. Or mm. a, um, so you're, you're not talking huge choices, but yet really, I mean, the tension that one or two of the young I people know. Know are, are I don't finding think, with it, yeah. it's just... I don't think schools help, though. I'll stick my neck out here. I think there's no, I too much of saying to kids, this, your future depends yeah. on this. Yeah. And I think there can be an assumption that if that's not done, then none of them will try or work hard. Mm. Um, and that may be true for some, but I think it has a very negative effect where it's just built up to such an extent... Yeah. Um, and you can whip up a mass hysteria fairly easily yeah. in a school. I mean, I how old are you in year nine? You're about 13, 14. Yeah. And to be told at that age that yeah. decisions you make will close doors to your future. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. awful. It's so much pressure. And at that age, you're naive enough to believe it. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the yeah. thing. It's, it's yeah. the, the truth is you don't, ha- you don't ever have to decide what you want to be when, you know, when you're when you're 
older you don't have to decide on on just one thing it's not yeah, unusual no. now for people to change careers maybe two or three times in their lives Absolutely. i know maybe you know sort of 50 years ago you chose a trade or a profession and that's what you did for mm. your whole life and mm. you know if if you were going to have to stick at it for 60 years you wanted to make sure you made the right decision but it's not the same anymore no. the world's a very different place and i'm glad to be able to say that actually for young people there's it's starting it's only right at the very beginning of of something that if they actually invest in it will be good but they're starting to become more options because we we can't sustain just everyone going to uni and getting degrees that they don't use to get into jobs that you know that just aren't there so there are more options more apprenticeships more kind of getting into jobs at kind of ground level and working your way up and and i I, a number of young people i work with are choosing that yeah how long have apprenticeships been around because you hear about them all the time now but there was a time when you didn't hear about them at all i mean yeah i think it is something that they've invested in right you know i think um Mm. government have given companies uh, funding to actually pay for apprentices uh, so they can kind of pay half or, or something like I think like the that, old so idea that university is where you should go if you possibly can. I'm really glad that's being now challenged. Mm. I, yeah, think I think, it, at least I think if people question. are passionate for a subject, yeah. they should go to university. But I think the idea, well, I must go to university, I'm not sure what I want to do, yeah. I think shows that probably those people ought to be doing something else. Mm. Um, But when I was at school, um, if you could go to university, it was just regarded as absolutely indispensable. You know, just no one would ever question anyone going to university. And and I'm glad that is questioned now because an awful lot of time there's wasted. Uh, Unfortunately, I think think the question reveals some of the more unpleasant sides to kind of middle-class society because it's been forever kind of... put forward as just fact and truth those with degrees get better jobs get yep. more and therefore I, it's the right thing for me to do to push my child in that direction because yeah. um that's you know the best thing to do and yet that is just not borne it's out it's been out of date for quite a while i think yeah. i was the first wave of graduate unemployment i don't think before mm. i left university in 1991 there was really much graduate unemployment mm. at all um and then of course the growth of, of further education has meant there's more and more and you get people having worked really hard built up quite a lot of debt then coming out and thinking "Mm." I mean I may may have talked about it on here before but actually my youth group is a perfect example of it me and me and my friends um, about half of us went to university and uh, another half left school at 16 and uh, took trades on one was a became a joiner one became an electrician one was a kitchen fitter uh, they did all sorts of trades between them and uh, while I was still at university they all bought, got their deposits down and bought a house each in disrepair and done all the work on each other's houses um, sold them on and a number of them now own a number of properties and that's what they do not one of them you know stayed in education past mm. 16 and uh, and they've got trades that are always going to be um, wanted. So yeah. I, I just think, I mean, uh, the last thing I want to do <laughs> here is to discourage people from reaching their potential and all of those things. But I want young people to, to know that they have options. And yeah, that, it's uh, about properly preparing. I mean, how does that affect the delivery of your youth work that you and uh, Anna Anna too, you know, how much of it is ministering well, to I, I think stressed out kids? I think one of the big things we try to do is um, help young people to realise that they are more than the sum of their academic success yeah. and that at whatever age um, they are at, that, you know, or, at, you know, whenever, the, whenever they look at in their future, they will always be more than the profession they just happen to be doing at that time. But I, 
it's a really difficult thing to get your head around, particularly when you're at school and you're being told that it is the most important thing in the world, you know, for you to choose the path you're going to go on mm. um, academically and then do everything you can to be better than everybody else who's yeah. on that path with you. That, it, you know, it's yeah. so much pressure. But I think lots of adults also fall into the trap of thinking that you know their their whole identity is in the job that they do is yeah. in the thing that they Which are paid to do redundant. their paid occupation it can be so savage particularly yeah. for men yeah. yeah and actually the truth is most of us have got things that we do outside of work we have got roles outside of work you know you you might be a nurse or a teacher um or a gardener or whatever but you may also be a son or a daughter or yeah. a husband or a wife or a mother or a father or a cousin or a friend mm. or um, or a, a volunteer at a night shelter yeah. or a youth leader or yeah. um, so many other things. And our identities don't just have to be made up of whatever our paid profession is. Um, it can be much more than that. Um, and I think I, I had this as a as a sermon one time, um, it's probably on the website there somewhere, but kind of talking about the pressures facing our, our young people. Yeah. And um, I think the thing that struck me as I, as I was preparing it was I was looking for, you know, insights from the Bible, and I, and I kept coming back to one simple thing in that Jesus said that he is the way to fullness of life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it just struck me as never before that, how simple that is on one level and how difficult that is to yeah. to um, to work out in in practice but you know I think the thing that we find constantly is that what the young people are really picking up either vicariously through you know other young people or through the environments they're in either at home or at school is that that is not true even those young people at church they're, they're, what they're picking up is all of these other things are how you find fullness of life and God can squeeze in there perhaps and, yeah. and help you find some community or and give you, help you with a moral uh, you know, thing to framework to, to hold it up against. But the idea that Jesus alone gives us fullness of life, I think is a hugely challenging, and to me, a, hu yeah. a hugely challenging concept. So, so basically, deep down, most of them are getting the message or most of us are getting the message that fullness of life is found by having academic success, a particular mortgage, a particular job, and a particular lifestyle. Yep. Well, uh, and of course it doesn't, does it? No. Um, it doesn't deliver on it. Um, and I suppose this is where youth work probably isn't that different from what we should be trying to do as a church over, overall, mm. which is to take on quite a few of these myths and um, I guess the try, challenge try with that though is that if you've... If you've bought into that for so long yeah. and you've become invested. And if you your know, church has underwritten it, absolutely. which quite often is the case, isn't it? Churches um, often don't really challenge lifestyle. Then I think you're being asked to unpick a huge amount, yeah. um, which is why I see it as so vital, but yet so so hard to do. With and people get very cross. I mean, that's yeah. the interesting thing, that if you do it subtly, no one hears it. So you step it up and do it a bit more explicitly and people think you're being offensive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, what, what about any, anything else particularly that you think young people had relationships there? School? Yeah, they're, they're the big you've said it, yeah. Which, which, uh, you know, which is the year that you think people feel under most pressure or is it impossible to generalise? Is it year 10, year 11? each year you feel a, a bit of pressure because, you know, life is, goes up, there's ups and downs and, mm. and it's different for everyone. But obviously year seven, you're getting used to it all and, you know, uh, you've just come from your primary school and secondary school is such a big leap from primary school. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then 
obviously in year nine you're picking your options which we already discussed can be quite <laughs> stressful yeah and then um year 10 you start taking your GCSEs and then in year 11 yeah that is the that's the year that you know the pressure really <laughs> builds on you yeah yeah and um that was the that was I mean when I do remember that that was when I felt surrounded by so much chaos that I couldn't control as a teenager mm. was actually when I was in year 11 once I was doing less subjects I found it easier mm. it was when i was being asked to still do all these things like maths which i, think, I didn't have a yeah. clue about and i found that really difficult and i think quite often you've got kids at school um who who really don't suit being there mm. and that's the problem they've got yeah. plenty of skills they've got plenty mm. of talents but they're being squeezed into a mold that's mm. not particularly yeah. them mm. and i was fortunate by the time i got in the sixth form at my school i was doing stuff that did suit me but I think yeah. quite a lot of people succeed in spite of school, don't they? Mm. And different yeah. people mature at different rates. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the thing, I think if you had asked me at kind of 20, um, was I academic or did I, you know, I would have just said not at all and school didn't work for me. And, and I can now, you know, I, I done my master's a few years ago and loved it. And I, I loved writing essays again. And yeah. I love kind of reading on, you know, history and things, the subjects that I hated at school, but I, I now really enjoy. And I think... I just wasn't mature enough mm. to, to do them at that stage. And yeah. and yet I think I then became the typical, I think, male uh, approach to what happens when, when, when that clash happens is I, I just shut down. I kind of put all my effort into playing hockey and football and, yeah. and hanging, yeah, hanging out at church, actually. Mm. And well, I, I, just, I just made no effort, really. Yeah, well, what I hope will happen, I mean, we'll change the motto of, the, of Christchurch School to becoming the people God made us to be with the aim that the school is all about every single person in that school moving further towards that person God made them to be yeah. and will make them in the resurrection to, to get mm. back to one of our, our mm. earlier topics. And, and I hope that can characterise not just the youth work at Christchurch, but actually what we do with adults as well, yeah. that everyone's being encouraged to become more fully that person that God made them to be and God one day wants to complete in them. Mm, absolutely. Well, that's all we have got time for this month. Um, but do remember that for more information about Christchurch, you can visit our website, which is ccnm.org. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christchurch New Malden. And you can follow us on Twitter at CCNM News. But that's all from us. See you next month. <laughs>